why can't God just look the other way from our sin? That's the question we're discussing today on the Hearing the Story presented by The Gospel Project. Thanks for joining us for today's episode of the Hero of the Story, a podcast to help you explore the big story and big truths of Scripture. I'm Brian Thabozik, and with me is Aaron Armstrong. Aaron, we are continuing a, a mini-series, if you will, looking at sin through these essential doctrines. This is our third in a row, uh, I believe, where we're talking about sin. And, and so this, we're leading off with a, a really broad question that kind of we could have used to introduce any of these sessions. Could have. But to... To me, it really resonates most deeply with this one. When we think of sin as missing the mark, when we think of sin as transgression, and now we think of sin as rebellion, I think this question comes into play, and hopefully that will make sense to our listeners in a few minutes. But before we go any further, why don't we just kind of dive in, uh, let's get just going on this one, and and go ahead and, and read the essential doctrine, and then we'll go from there. Sounds good. All right. So we, as you just, as you mentioned, we are talking about sin as rebellion. And so here is what that means. Because the Bible portrays people as responsible beings called to respond in faith and obedience to God's revelation, the Bible often portrays sins in terms of defiance and rebellion toward God the King. Isaiah 1-2 is one of many passages that describes sin in terms of rebellion against God, and it says, I have raised children and brought them up, but they have rebelled against me. Seen in this light, sin is personal and willful disobedience, the raising of a clenched fist toward the one who made us. So, in short, what this doctrine is saying is, is that we all knowingly choose to stand in defiance of God. Now, I think, let's take a minute before we look at where this is in Scripture a few places. I think some people listening will will kind of think, wait a minute, this sounds really much like sin is transgression. So how, how do we kind of, how do we help them parse and think differently? What, what's different about sin as rebellion versus sin as transgression? Well, in a lot of ways... Sin is rebellion. So sin is transgression. Let's start there first. Sin is tra- as transgression is about is about the actual acts. Rebellion is about motivation. It's about desire. And there's another one that we'll talk about later about um, about the heart's posture towards sin and um, how the Bible describes it as us as being enslaved to sin. And we'll talk about the relationship between these two doctrines then when we get there after we take a little break from talking about sin all the time. But um, <laughs> but we need to recognize that rebellion is the choice. It's what we want to do. We want to rebel against God. And so that's the difference between them. So, yeah, I think that's a helpful way to think about this. And again, we, we, in case we haven't been clear about this, it would not be wise to parse these strongly. I, I, they do have different nuances. And we're going to talk about in a little bit, you know, not every sin that we commit has this full nature of rebellion behind it, undergirding it. So we, we have to understand this. But to understand them holistically together is helpful. So sin is transgression and sin is rebellion overlap. But transgression could be more of a, hey, I'm, I've tried, but I've just run out of, of steam or the, the appeal of sin is just too great. I'm going to give in. 
So we're knowingly transgressing. Again, that's not an accident, as we talked about in our last episode. We, we choose to transgress. But it's not as strong as sin is rebellion. When there are times we, we as, as this doctrine ends with that clenched fist, we, we say, no, I don't even want to try doing what you want me to do, God. I want to do my own thing. And so it is. It, it, I think the heart posture is a helpful way to understand how this is even stronger than transgression. Again, although they both overlap. Yeah, absolutely. So um, as we always do, one of the questions that we should be asking is where do we see a doctrine in scripture? Because good, solid, true doctrine in the Christian faith has no other source than scripture. So Brian, how about you kick us off with uh, with something on this? Yeah, I think one of the things is it, we see this in the major beats of the gospel story, don't we? I mean, think about think about Eden and Adam and Eve. Um, God told them, "Don't eat of the of the fruit of the tree," and yet they chose to do it, so they transgressed. Um, but it was more of an open rebellion. They knew and they defiantly said, no, no, I want to do what I want to do. I want to be like you, our God. I want to eat this fruit. So there was a, a heart of rebellion undergirding their action. Then you think of Cain and Abel. Cain, God warned Cain, sin is crouching at your door. Be careful because if you don't watch yourself, you're going to give into it. And what did Cain do? He intentionally rebelled against God and ignored that warning. That didn't just ignore it. He rebelled against it and took his brother into the field intentionally to kill him. And then you, you get to the flood and what was the condition of all humanity rebellious. They were doing what they wanted to do. So you can keep this going throughout scripture and see um, that this idea of rebellion, the Israelites refusing to go into the promised land, uh, refusing to to purge the land once they're in it, refusing to turn away from idols over and over again, overt acts of rebellion, of clenched fists before God, uh, going backwards, the, the Tower of Babylon, spread out, multiply. No, we're staying here and doing what we want to do. So this is not mere mistakes. This is not because they didn't understand the heartbeat of God well enough. It's not that God said, hey, let me give you this nebulous command. Be good. And people are struggling to find out, well, is this good or not? And they accidentally do something bad and miss the mark. and Or, well, we're trying to do good, but we tripped up along the way. This is clenched fist. So we see this over and over in Scripture through that big beat. Let me give one passage to, to lead us off with specific text, though, and see if you have any. Um, Isaiah 53.6, the, the doctrine itself mentioned Isaiah earlier. 53.6 says, We all went astray like sheep. We all have turned to our own way. And the Lord has punished him for the iniquity of us all. Him, of course, being Christ, the, the prophecy of Christ. So we all went astray could be, it, that sounds like, well, we just meandered. We took the wrong path. Oops, silly us. But that next line, we all have turned to our own way. That's a posture of rebellion. That is saying I'm turning from God, turning to self-rebellion. And as, of course, we know the, the doctrine that has to go along with this is that of repentance, which is turning from our own way and turning back to God's way. So Isaiah 53, 6, I think is really helpful. What about you? 
Well, another one that I, I think is really helpful really is uh, Romans 3, 9 through 18. This is, of course, one of the famous sin passages um, because really a whole bunch of Romans is the famous sin passage. Um, but it says, what then? Are we better? Are we any better off? Not at all, for we have all already char- uh, charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin. As it's written, there is no one righteous, not even one. There's no one who understands. There's no one who seeks God. All have turned away. All alike have become worthless. There is no one who does what is good, not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They deceive with their tongues. Viper's venom is under their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood, ruin, and wretchedness. Are there are in their paths and the path of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So that is basically um, Paul just laying it on as thick as he can to drive home that point that everybody is guilty of sin. And everyone is a rebel from this, from that very high perspective. Um, Then you get, of course, one more classic and contentious passage um, dealing with the result of sin and our relationship to it, which is Ephesians 2, 1 through 3. And so some of you may or may not have, you know, heart palpitations hearing this, Um, but And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you previously walked according to the ways of this world, according to the ruler of the power of the air, the spirit now working in the disobedient. We too all previously lived among them in our fleshly desires, carrying out the inclinations of our flesh and thoughts, and we were by nature children of wrath as others were also." So, (laughs) all of that is describing us as one thing and one thing only, as rebels against God, haters of God. Yeah, you can't miss that intentionality. Romans, uh, also Paul says that we were enemies of, of God, and that's two directions. That is God's wrath directed toward us because of our rebellion and sin, but it's also us rebelling against God in strife with him, fighting against him instead of doing what he wants us to do and what we should do joyfully uh, following him. So yeah, the, 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 the scriptures paint a very stark picture. You, you mentioned the contentiousness of Ephesians because I think a lot of us struggle with this. We, we, we prefer to pick up a self-help book that says we're pretty good people. We just need a little bit of dusting off and, you know, um, straightening up just a little bit, but we're pretty good people. That's that's our hearts, and this is an a, a, an aspect of rebellion. Our hearts want to believe that we don't want to believe what God says is true of us apart from Christ. So that is, I think, one of the key reasons why God deals with sin so much in the Scripture because He knows we will rebel even against the idea of us being rebels. Um, and so we've we've got to come to shoulders with or to terms with this. Um, we've we've got to teach it and preach it. But at the same time, we can't make the mistake of preaching it in isolation. We need to preach this leading into the gospel and the beautiful 
uh, provision God has given us in Christ Jesus and the transformation of us in Christ that we move from being rebels and enemies to being forgiven, adopted children who are completely righteous because of Christ's righteousness. So uh, we've talked about this before, but sin uh, discussions can be discouraging. <laughs> they can be, uh, they can tempt us to be a little bit down, but they should not. They should lead us to a higher place, a beautiful place. So let's uh, kind of hinted at this already, but let's just roll into our next major section of any cautions um, with understanding this doctrine. So Aaron, is there anything that you would kind of offer out there? Absolutely. Well, I mean, the first one is the answer to to the question that led this episode of the show, which um, which is why can't God just look the other way from our sin? And this doctrine um, really is designed to help us understand and not minimize the, the gravity of sin. Because when we recognize and understand um, sin for what it is as rebellion against God, and I loved how you brought in that reality of, of scripture calling us enemies of God, because there's an active component to that. Um, what that does is that obliterates any kind of notion that God should just sweep sin under the, the rug or, or look away from it and pretend that, that, oh, you know, that never happened. Um, this is the thing that we think about all the time is, well, if everyone if everyone sins and we can't not not sin and we don't sin nearly as bad as some other people, well, why can't God just ignore it? Why can't he just look the, look the other way? And I mean, that's, this is it. Rebellion leaves no room for this kind of thinking. We are rebels. We are in direct insurrection against the king. Now I make a joke Every, and it is a joke, by the way, because I, I live in America and I love living in America, but I'm a Canadian. That means that in the in the Revolutionary War, I was on the other side <laughs> of you guys. Um, we, so, here in America, we call that the losing side. Well, except for the War of 1812, my friend, where we burned down the White House. But, um, and yet we still stand. <laughs> Have you ever heard the Star Spangled Banner? Uh, I have never, uh, never fully, gr uh, grasped the lyrics. No, but, um, <laughs> but anyway, on, on independence day, you know, because you've experienced this, I, I typically text my, text my friends and I say happy treason day. And, yes. um, <laughs> It's true. <laughs> it's true. I mean, technically, it was an act of treason. However, it was because it was a rebellion against yes against the the ruling authority. Now, a whole lot of things about whether or not it was just or unjust. That's not what we're talking about here. Because here's where sin is a little bit different. There's no just rebellion in human rebellion against God. You can't you can't parse that. And so that's where, an where the analogies all break down real, real fast. Um, we do this by choice. Sins are not minor. And because of this, because it is such an affront to God, we're saying, um, you know, in our description, we use this, this, this visual of a clenched fist. Well, um, maybe imagine something else going up with that clenched fist. Um, and you get a little better sense of what's going on here. Um, 
I'm going right up to this line, Brian. Right up to the line. I'm staying out of it. I'm so pure innocent. I have no idea what you're talking about. That's right. That's right. Um, Traffic. Traffic. That's all I'm going to say. But... um, But we have to recognize that sin is not a minor pet peeve for God. It is an offense. It, it, they are grievous acts of treason against a good, loving, faithful, holy God. And how could, in light of all of this, death not be the verdict that's due? Yeah, I think that's really helpful because I think that question of why can't God just look the other way is so common when we look at sin as just minor mistakes, small slip-ups, rather benign and harmless um, goofs. And if we have that view of sin, if we rationalize sin, what it is, if we minimize what it is, that question becomes more reasonable. You know, why, why should God be so bent out of shape about such minor offenses that are so common. He should expect nothing less or else of us. So it makes sense. But when we reposition what sin is, even a single sin as this act of rebellion, and I, I do think, you know, joking about America, Canada, England, treason, and so forth, but I do think many of us could find help in considering how would we view an overtly treasonous person against our nation that wherever we're residents of, wherever we're citizens of, and imagine, just picture a heinous act of treason, a, a, a deep betrayal. Would that not bother us deeply? Would we not understand our government for pursuing judgment against that? And if we're there, then we have trapped ourselves if we fall short of seeing God's rightfulness to judge and condemn sin as he does, because our acts of treason against him are infinitely larger, infinitely more profound, because our nations are imperfect and they're temporary uh, things. God is perfect. He is eternal. So I think that could help us orient our hearts. How do we look at sin? How do we you know, consider our acts of rebellion? I think that could be a helpful tool. I think the other thing, though, that I would say, a caution, is is the other side. Let's turn, turn this coin over. I think we need to be careful um, not to lump all of our sins together in a monolithic way. We have to acknowledge not every time we sin are we this overtly rebellious. There are times we are. And we have to acknowledge that this is what we've just been talking about. It's the, the big idea of this of this doctrine helps us. But I think we'd be mistaken if we thought every time we sin or every time somebody else sins. That's that's more what I'm concerned about. If I'm looking at you, for example, saying, oh, you're everything else then is you're just this outright open rebellion and that's the heart posture, then I'm not being fair to you. There are times where you will try and just give in. There are times that you will, it will, again, we, we're not fans of this, but we acknowledge there are times we fall into sin. Um, there are times that you will transgress and you will know it, but you'll fight it, but you won't have the strength. And then there are times you will be in open rebellion. So I think if we were, especially in evangelism, for example, if you were going and sharing the gospel with somebody and saying, hey, you're a rebel, every single time you sin, you're clenching your fist at God. I think that person would rightly say, wait a minute. I don't think so. I don't even think about God. So we just need to be fair as we consider this. Now, we could say, well, positionally, that's what's going on. You may not realize it. 
But positionally, that's always going on. But again, getting to the heart, is that necessary? Your thought process and the posture of, of your heart on the surface every single time? Probably not. But there are times it does. And again, positionally, every act is an act of rebellion and insurrection. So does that kind of make sense? It does. And it's and it's. I think it's really important that you parse that between really Christians and non-Christians as well. That it's like um, when you're when you're talking about you know, succumbing, giving in kind of, kind of things that, that has a little bit, I I tend to lean more towards seeing that on, on the side of how Christians will respond in those situations. Whereas to your point, there is, there is not always a, an, a knowledgeable act or an overt act of rebellion in terms of non-Christian sinfulness um, although sometimes there there very much is to your point, and sometimes even for the Christian there is overt, willful, rebellious acts as well. So we want to be careful, but there's but general buckets I think are helpful yeah. on both sides, and then there's places where both cross over and meet. So, I agree. Yeah. Um, all right, so all let's right, so let's, uh, let's drive. Let's drive down the stretch then and, and think about what difference this doctrine should make uh, in our lives. And, and I'll go first. Uh, we've already really hit on this. So just one final word on it. This doctrine, of course, helps us to see sin for what it really is. Uh, and again, if we tend to, to lean more toward the sin as an innocent mistake and harmless and so forth, I think spending some time in the in the scriptures around this thinking about the big story arc of scripture thinking of, and really opening our heart and laying it bare before the holy spirit to reveal how we can rebel at times too i think it's really important and helpful for somebody uh, to sit in this doctrine some and let the spirit bring us to conviction but not stop there. Again, the difference between conviction and condemnation is conviction takes us to a more beautiful place of understanding the gospel and remembering those of us in Christ. Uh, this sin is paid for. We are forgiven. We are righteous. And that should motivate us to turn away and stop rebelling. Put Lay down arms. The insurrection's over. Let's start living as the adopted children of God that we are. So uh, helping us understand sin. What about you? What, what Can you think of a difference this one should make? Yeah, well, I mean, really, this should help us understand our culture. It, it helps us understand the world we live in. Um, we, can't, um, we can't expect the world um, as in, so people who aren't Christians, we can't expect them to live like Christians. They're open, they're, they're in open rebellion. People who, who don't, acknowledge God's existence don't acknowledge his commands and so but at the same time despite the fact that you know scripture does say things like like people who who are in rebellion against God are enemies of God we can't treat them like we would an enemy so think about if you think about it in the war in in war analogies and I'm going to butcher this because I've never been in a war, but um, what I would say is, is you have to remember basically um, what Jesus says about what we're to do with our enemies. We're to love our enemies and pray for those who persecute you. We, and part of that is remembering that we were that too, that prior to Christ taking an active role in our lives, graciously saving us, 
we were in just as deep a rebellion as as anyone else but by his grace we have been saved and we have seen the light um, and have turned away from our rebellion and turned toward him and failingly and imperfectly obey him and so what we need to do is we need to plead for god's grace to fall on others just as it has fallen on us that's good yeah that's a good place to end it uh, helping us understand a, a gospel heart for people and that sin of the world should not cause us to see them as enemies or however else, but it should break our heart and, and we should recognize the commonality that we've had before Christ. That's who we were. And so, yeah, I, I think that's a great place for us to wrap up this episode. So thanks for talking with me about sin for the last few weeks, Aaron. Next week, we're going to pivot and talk about something a little bit different, but we'll, we'll come back to sin, I'm sure, quite often. Oh, absolutely. It's coming up again in a few weeks. So yeah, Again, Scripture talks about it a lot, so even our other uh, doctrines, it, it will probably weave through. I do want to thank you for listening to today's episode of this podcast. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a sincere five-star rating and review on Apple Podcast or whatever platform you use to listen to the show. And for more resources to help you focus your ministry on the gospel, please visit gospelproject.com. 